Hey guys, we have an incredible podcast coming your way. We're going to teach you exactly how to look great, feel strong at your ideal body weight. How? By teaching you about the latest innovations and the discoveries about hormones, the herbs, the natural approaches that will help you to optimize your stem cells, your mitochondria. Please stay tuned. This is a show you must listen to. 30 in each hand, overhead for a grand total that I'm approaching and already having exceeded the world strength endurance record. Now, I'm gripping up to take 35 pound dumbbells in each hand. I just wanted to show for those naysayers who said, ah, I could have done it with 25 in each hand. So, I'm gonna share with you how I broke two world strength endurance records. Not when I was in my peak, age 20, 30, no. Age 52, I am now 66, training to build up to world record pace again, because I love it. Some people don't like exercise. I enjoy the type of workouts I do. They're exciting, they're energizing. I mix in incredible music that I listen to. And uh, <laughs> also, I've been trained by some of the top East European, arguably one of the strongest strength endurance athlete in history, Dragan Radovich. Bill Kazmar himself officiated our competitions at the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic. I'm not here to brag to you about. I want you to know that if a mere mortal who does not have a ge a genetic advantages, was not on uh, massive drug stimulants and basically using whole herbs and plant-based eating and all the things I'm going to share with you that I did, I think you're going to understand how you too can break your own personal best records. But it's kind of counterintuitive training, and I'm going to share with you right now what I mean by this. But let's clip into and I'll comment here while I'm using, uh, approaching after 49 minutes of lifting um, the, the, the world strength endurance record that it was originally set by Dragon Radovich. Here we go. Now I'm gearing up to increase the weight after uh, doing some doubles with 25 pounds in each hand I'm going up to big block 30 pound dumbbells I'm gripping up and I'm I'm standing on the trampoline little bounce A little bit different move there on the cross over the chest and then press overhead. 
often for about 50 minutes now. What is the increase they buy? You know what it There you see, 42,600 pounds, an all-time world strength endurance record from curl and press overhead. The doctor in the white coat's monitoring my heart rate to make sure my heart doesn't explode. Uh, the gentleman in front is making sure I'm getting enough water during the lift to keep me hydrated, but that was difficult because I was breathing so heavily I couldn't take in water very well. Uh, without gagging on it and the gentleman behind me was spraying me down with water to keep my body cool you can see that those watching the YouTube video I'm standing on ice towels, ice water towels, to draw the heat off my body. Now doing doubles where you lift the two dumbbells from the side to the shoulders to overhead is extremely difficult, very taxing at the end of already lifting for nearly an hour. And every time I lift the weight overhead, that counts as 60 pounds, 30 in each hand, overhead for a grand total that I'm approaching and already having exceeded the world strength endurance record. Now I'm gripping up to take 35 pound dumbbells in each hand. I just wanted to show for those naysayers who said, ah, oh, I could have done it with 25 in each hand. It's a big jump. 10 pound jump. And that's the competition weight that Dragon Radovich usually likes to compete with. Um, so, feel strong with those 35s. And see that form. As you come down, it's a heavy weight, so there's a little bit of a backswing, not as big a swing as they do in kettlebell training, but you get a tremendous workout. Every day I trained to build up to break that world record. Every day I trained at a level. Thank you. 
Okay, now I'm gearing up to 40 pounds in each hand with the big power blocks. And I'm already up to over 45,200 pounds lifted overhead. I wanted to stack on more weight. Now, the doctor's checking my heart rate by a remote watch and then a strap around my chest. My heart rate was averaging close to 200 beats per minute during the entire hour. Now you can see this is a big jump. Just kind of a victory screen there you hear me in the background and also helping me to get through the feel of the power of heavyweight <laughs> Nurka Nurka is the MC author of Supreme Influence. She wrote about me in her book. This lift was for autism awareness in honor of my son Lance, who is now age 35, having lived his life with on the spectrum. But if you can see the degree of difficulty, curl and press overhead. Just a few months before we went to London, there you are, big lifting. All right, I, I'm just going to cut away from the screen a moment and just tell you um, how, how how does a person break world records uh, I'm going to cut away to an interview with uh, Joe Rogan and uh, his guest I think you're going to find it pretty fascinating Frias Fahabi okay here we go very important to to, to hear this, what he has to say. Works, almost all of them. He, he's a brilliant trainer. I agree with that 100%, outside of competition. Let's explain it to people. Yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, let me, uh, okay, so let's say, for instance, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in never being sore. You should train, and the next day you should wake up feeling good. Okay, you know why? How's that possible? Well, because, look, if, if okay, that's a great, that's a great example. Let's say, um, Let's see your energy levels. We're talking about fit people, by the way, right? Every, I mean, every, every human being. Every so guys never worked e out before? Even your first day. First day, never trained. How is it possible to work Beautiful. out and not be sore? No problem. Beautiful. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so let's say there's something called rate of perceived exertion. Okay? So let's say I make you do pull-ups. And let's say the maximum amount of pull-ups you can do, the maximum amount of pull-ups is 10. Let's keep a nice round number. At 11, you couldn't do 11. If I put a point at a gun at you, you couldn't do 11. Should I make you do 10 pull-ups on our workout? No. I'm going to make you do five. Why? Because I'm setting you up to work the next day. The next day, we're going to do five. And the next day, we're going to do another five. And then we're going to do six. When six is really easy, we're going to do seven. 
Why? If you count, if, the, if you did 10 pull-ups on Monday, you're going to be sore till Thursday. Let's say it's really your max. So Thursday, you've only done 10 pull-ups. From Monday to Thursday, you've only done 10 pull-ups. Me, I've been doing five pull-ups every day. So I'm at 20 pull-ups already, 25 pull-ups. Mm. I have more volume than you. Ah. Now, if you add up at the end of the year, who trained more? I've trained way more than you. So let's say I go to jiu-jitsu practice. I'm doing jiu-jitsu every single day, three rounds, five days a week. That's 15 rounds. You go in twice a week, but you kill yourself. You do five rounds each day. You, kill, you push yourself those last two rounds and you burn yourself out. I still did 15. You're at 10. At the end of the year, I've done countless rounds. More, I mean, I've had so much more training than you. So how much training can we pack in in the week? That's the real question. How much volume can you expose your athlete to? So I always tell people, look, energy, uh, sorry, exercise can produce energy. So let's say I'm feeling like a 7 out of 10. 10 being I'm really like energized. 1 I was like really lethargic, feeling like I need to lay down. And 7, I'm feeling good. Okay? If I get up and I do a right amount of exercise, the right amount, I can feel like an 8.5. Exercise can give me a tonic effect, like drinking this coffee. So let's say I just do some jumping jacks. I hit the back for a couple of rounds. I'm feeling good. Once you get that high, shut it down. Don't go into the phase where your body's beat up, tight, broken up. Don't redline the body. That's only for training camps for a, for a small period of time. Why? Because you get a little bit more from the system. But in the long run, you get less. In the long run, you've taxed the system. So if you do that regularly, by the time you actually get good, you'll be broken up. Mm. That's why I do a lot of flow training. Have you ever have you ever heard? This is really great uh, for you to understand how to become um, not only in great shape, but actually a world class athlete. It almost sounds counterintuitive. Why would you train at a point far below exhaustion when you think most athletes push themselves incredibly hard? They will at game time or leading up to a competition to be prepared for the motion and the movement or whatever athletic endeavor. In my case, I'm curling and pressing. And so I'll be lifting for at least 30 minutes to an hour. I usually lift for, lift for a full hour because I want to match the rate or the feeling of what it takes to continue to lift nonstop because we have a timed competition. He who lifts the most weight in one hour wins the title of the world's strongest strength endurance athlete. That's a competition that was set up years ago uh, by Dragan Radovich at the Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic, which I competed at also at the Aloha Fitness and continued to compete uh, all the way up till uh, March of uh, 2016. But I'm going to tell you that I went to London with Tim Nash and my son, uh, Nicholas and we uh, competed using 45 pound dumbbells in each hand, curl and press, to till the point where we could not lift any longer than the next man in line and the next man in line continued to lift. So the reason I'm explaining this to you is to build up to that world record pace, it was very important that I embrace the idea of high volume training. Now, I'm the first to say that I love the feel of weights. I love the feel of uh, pushing my body to its limits. However, to build up, to sustain that incredible world record type pace, I am finding it's absolutely essential and critical to be kind of in that place where 
you know, I, I'm, I'm going all out. So when you, when you, if you take a look right now, during, <laughs> during this show, I have a Tesla device. And there's actually electrodes that are coming up to, 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 to my chest. And um, I'm, getting, I'm getting a workout. I don't know if you can see this. Yeah, so I'm getting muscular contractions. Ooh. And then I turn it up about every three to five minutes gradually so that my, my hips, which I have the other electrodes attached to, and my chest gradually adopt. And as they adapt, I get stronger and stronger, but very, very gradually. I'll do this for at least 45 minutes to an hour or hour and a half, depending on the length of the podcast. And I get a fabulous, fabulous workout. I'm using what's called the Tesla Max, which is an advent beyond the Russian stimulator that uh, certain famous athletes made it uh, uh, rather popular. And it seems strange because it, it's like, like passive exercise. You go, well, come on. How could you get you know, that good of a workout? Well, anyone who's ever done uh, butterflies or curl and presses, the key is muscles fire, uh, the fibers, it's called all or none. So the muscle fiber contracts, but to engage, say, 100% of the muscle fibers is simply an, a, an effect of putting 400 volts of electricity through at low amperage so it doesn't burn my chest and getting that strong muscular contraction. By the way, this device is great for recovery from injury. You just put it at a much lower um, uh, frequency or, or that lower intensity because the frequency of, of contractions occurs like every, like there's a pause and then it contracts. Okay, pause, contracts. So it's, it's like a, what, three-second pause between. So it really will take my muscles to that level uh, where it's getting a real thorough, thorough, thorough uh, effect. So it's, it's kind of exciting to, to, how shall I express this to you? Because when you, I, I, I often talk about blood doesn't lie. And, and under the microscope here, this is a, a drop of my blood. And to, to really measure human performance, you have to have the right mix of fuel. And we're going to get into what is the ultimate uh, dietary uh, combination. And most importantly, I'm going to talk about sequencing for maximum fat loss. And um, here, I'll just turn it to the side here so you can see. Here I have a bowl of mushrooms and, and fresh raw cucumbers. I cooked the mushrooms uh, today because I thought it would just make them taste a little better. And I put a little bit of um, apple cider vinegar and some spices, no salt. Very, very, very tasty. And these, um, uh, th this way of eating will give me that maximum strength, uh, the glucose. Now, the glucose is going to be burned, but there's so little glucose in vegetables that it will also draw some of the fat in my body. So when I wrote the book, Grow Young and Slim, I gave the principles about, you know, how do you get the right combination of protein, fat, carbohydrate, uh, the vitamins and minerals that you need. And I also uh, went ahead and produced the book, uh, Simply Healthy Cookbook, if, if you don't have this yet, oil-free, gluten-free, sugar-free, but it, it really follows the principles of soap, uh, free of sugar, free of oil, free of animal protein. 
S-O-A-P, animal protein. S for sugar, O for oil, and A, um, P, animal protein. Very, very important. And, and I've done this for a better part of 44 years. I did it leading up to breaking uh, the all-time world record, which, by the way, the Chrome Press record I set still has not been broken to this day. And I broke it back in um, October of 2000. And, uh, six. Uh, prior to that, a few months before, we went to London and led Team USA to a world championship victory. And it wasn't until, uh, as I cont- continued to compete, uh, March of 2016 uh, was uh, my last appearance uh, with Dragon Radovich that uh, we retained our strength endurance title with Tim Nash, my son Nicholas Delgado, and um, uh, actually Dragon Radovich joined on our team. So, to talk about human performance, I think it's really critical to, to, to embrace this concept. So let, let's go back to uh, what's being discussed about um, this low intensity yet high volume. Now, if you want to get big, muscular, robust muscles, you do have to train to failure. A lot of bodybuilders understand this. Arnold Schwarzenegger was a big fan of high volume, lots of reps and sets. Um Whereas Dorian Yates, arguably one of the most powerful bodybuilders in Franco Colombo, but mostly Dorian Yates and Mike Menser trained very high intensity, minimal number of reps, but the goal was to go to, to failure and then work on trying to recover after each workout. Psychologically very demanding. I actually love that kind of training, but you have to have a training partner to work with. At least with this high volume, uh, high repetition type work, uh, you don't need a training partner. You just need a set of dumbbells and with this isolation shutdown, you know, make sure you get a good set of dumbbells uh, and and particularly adjustable type. I use the power blocks because I can adjust the weight accordingly. But here, let's go back to what he has to say. It's very fascinating and pay attention because this is also for world-class boxers, um, jujitsu, Muay Thai, uh, uh, which is all all of these sports becoming very popular for football, baseball, basketball. Uh, Basketball is pretty clear. It's very high volume, a lot of repetitive repetitive uh, movements dancing is very similar here we go heard of uh mihai chiksen mihai's uh uh flow no okay so can you can you jamie can you look up a flow chart it'll be so much simpler like just put in flow uh flow in the workplace or flow chart this is such this you know the one where you have the worst guest or you're you're having the worst workout it feels like every minute is an hour that's that's a bad you're not in a state of flow a state of flow is you're having the right amount of difficulty but it's not so difficult that you go into stress and it's not so easy that you're bored. It's the right amount of challenge. So let's say as simple as playing like Tetris. If I put you on a if I put you on a level that's too high, you're gonna be like you're gonna play for five minutes. You're gonna be like I'm done. Mm. If I put you on a level too easy, you're gonna be like this is boring. If I put you at the right amount of level, you see that's the flow channel. So if the challenge is too high, you'll meet anxiety. If it's too low, you're boredom. When I go in the practice room, I'm trying to create flow. I'm having fun. Training should be addictive. Imagine training was addictive. Everybody would train, everybody would be fit. But people always go into anxiety. They go and they kill, they slam their body. <laughs> then I have to convince you to do it again three days later, two days later. And you're like, dude, the mental energy is going to take me to get there. Like, it shouldn't be, it should be, training should be a pulling force. It should be pulling you. You want to go training. If you don't want to go training, it's not fun. If it's not fun, you're not going to do a lot of it. That is so true. And what Dragon Radovich taught me was, when I asked him, I said, you know, every, every sports trainer talks about when you train, uh, skip every other day, uh, even wait every third day to train a muscle group 
to allow the muscle group to recover. And he said, no, that's all wrong. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you should train every single day the same muscle groups. I said, but wait a minute, there's no recovery time. He said, there is depending on the intensity at which you pace yourself. Because initially, your body will struggle a little bit to keep up with training every day. But after a while, your body becomes in such great condition, you look forward to it and you train and you feel good and you look better and you burn more body fat by training every day. You see, that myth got started when Arthur Jones was asked, um, should you train every other day a muscle group instead of every day? Arthur Jones, a developer of Nautilus, for those of you who remember um, the Nautilus uh, uh, workout equipment uh, that was at many, many gyms, uh, he, he said that what, where people got uh, confused was that the reality is when they say train and, and wait to train that muscle group every other day, every third day, it takes 72 hours for a muscle to to atrophy, to start to atrophy, meaning the muscles are losing gains if you don't train it every other day, but even more beneficial every day. So it wasn't that you had to wait because initially, yes, it's more difficult for the muscles to recover. You, you feel that. But if you go at a very gentle pace, like he's, he's talking about, you're going to look forward to, particularly if you make it fun, you include music, it's maybe a dance class or a, a hit class, but don't push yourself at the highest limits that the teachers are trying to push you. Show up every day, though, and the tortoise and the hare story, you, you being the tortoise, you'll sneak up behind the hares and you'll go beyond their fitness level. And you'll burn more body fat, you'll look forward to it, you'll enjoy the music, you'll enjoy the workouts. This is paramount to getting in great shape. So anyone who hates exercises because they do what he's talking about, they go in there, they build their anxiety level, they work out too hard, they're sore, they don't look forward to it the next time, versus go at a gentle pace above where you're bored, where you're pushing yourself, you know, like beyond just walking, if you will. But if, you, if you're out of shape, you should just start with walking. So let, let's go a little bit further here. This is really good information. Mm. And if you're not going to do a lot of it, you're never going to reach mastery. So how do I make it pleasurable? How to make it fun? I have to be in a flow state. And you can get into a flow state in almost anything. But when you're out of that flow state, cut it. We're going to get further. We're going to do more training if we cut it today and come back in tomorrow. Because I'm a big believer in consistency over intensity. Intensity should be done one in a, once in a while. Because by nature, intensity can only be done once in a while. If you're going hard every day, you're not really going hard every day. You can't go your max every day. There's a, there's, a, there's a cost to going to your max. Can you sprint every single day? You cannot sprint every single day. It's ludicrous. You could sprint once or twice a week. The best sprinters in the world, they sprint once or twice a week. Nobody sprints every day because intensity by nature entails that you need to take a break because if you don't need to take a break, you didn't really go to your maximum intensity. If you lift your maximum lift, the maximum amount of reps you can, the, the maximum weight you can lift. If you do two reps, that wasn't your max. Because if it was, you wouldn't have, have a second rep in you. Mm. You understand? Right. I would have to give you a break for you to have a second rep. So we didn't find your true max, right? Intensity, maximum effort entails you have to stop because it's the maximum. There was no more reserves. There are no more reserves. So what do you think about people that, that say there's no such thing as overtraining? Here's the, the John Denner narrative, and I don't. I, 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 he he coins it really, really well. He says, "Look, it's under rest. 
So he says, look, you can overtrain if you didn't give your body the rest later. Yeah. But he says, look, no matter how hard I push in practice, if I didn't kill myself, I can rest from it and recover and have super compensation. I agree with that. Some guys have made great strides with just mental fortitude and mental strength overtraining the shit out of themselves. Okay, but can I ask you this? Yes. They were successful, yeah? Yeah, okay. but their bodies break down. Right. But could they, could, could they have been better if Possibly. they used flow? Exactly. Right. As but good as they were. Like Dan Gable, for example. Right. example. Like Dan Gable essentially was done in his 20s, right? In terms of like his body's broken right. down. Exactly. Knee replacements, hip replacements, th that kind of deal. Let me ask you this. Who wins more often, Russians or American wrestlers? Russians. Every time an American wrestler wins, he's like some prod prodigy. Mm -hmm. he's rare, it's rare, it does happen, but it's rarely he's a technical master. Right. However, you have these Russian guys that win gold medals. You've never heard of them, and they're like Michael Jordans of the, of the sport. Yeah. There's just so many of them. They train long, consistent practices, whereas in America, we do Monday, Wednesday, Friday hard. We kill it. And then you rest Tuesday, Thursday. The Eastern Bloc had a totally different understanding. They're like, it's volume, 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 near the fight, short and intense. Only near the, the competition phase. But before that, it's the maximum amount of volume you can... Imagine me and you are, are, are we're two athletes, A and B. You're A and B. You're training jiu-jitsu three times a week really, really hard. You're going all out. I'm training jiu-jitsu every single day. My average practice is two hours. Your average practice is two hours. But when you go in, you kill it. Like you, you go... You go with all the black belts and you kill it. At the end of the year, I'm averaging three practices or two practices more than you. So I've had 100 practices more than you by the end of the year. 104 practices. Mm. Let's give two weeks for vacation. 100 practices more than you. 200 hours more than you I've been training. When we roll, your intensity that you put on the mat is going to be irrelevant. Why? Because I've also tasted that intensity periodically. It's not that much of a factor now. When you go super aggressive on me, when you attack me aggressively, I have felt that. I know how to deal with it. Plus, I have an extra 100 hours on you, 200 hours. So I'm going to mangle you. You know what I'm saying? Mm. The volume is far more important than the intensity. The intense. Wow, what an important distinction. And that's how I've trained ever since I met Dragon Radovich back in uh, 2003. So for going on, approaching 18 years of training every day. And that's one of the reasons why I stay in super shape. And if I can't get outdoors to the gym, if it's raining, I'm, I'm using uh, <laughs> this, this Tesla Max right here. And because sometimes I'm at, at my desk for long hours. I've seen Dr. Michael Greger using um, a treadmill during his interviews. It's a little awkward to use a treadmill. I'm not saying it's not a good idea. I think it's a great idea. In fact, I'm going to graduate to try that out myself. But there's nothing like the Tesla Max because every 45 minutes or so, uh, I check the amount of time that um, I'm, I'm doing my workout and I keep uh, moving the electrodes every 45 minutes uh, to, to, to a, new, a new body part. And I got to tell you, it's just tremendous. It keeps me in fabulous shape. And it's exactly what the Eastern Bloc, the greatest wrestlers and endurance strength athletes in Russia and Cuba. Here, let's, let's, let's go back because I, I think this is really an important distinction. Plus, it's going to make your exercise so much better 
to do it this way, uh, I, I think you're going to just just find it thrilling and fun as opposed to uh, challenging and uh, <laughs> challenging and difficult. Here, here we go. Let's let's go further. City by nature is need is need to be done periodically. If you do it every day, it's not intensity. So how the Russians? How do they structure their training? They're more playful. You know, they kind of like. They kind of warm up, they kind of flow roll, they kind of like, they do a lot of technique, high emphasis on technique. Now, a lot of people hearing this are going to be like, well, the Russians also are funded by their government. You know, they, their government supports them a lot more than maybe an American uh, wrestler. Mm -hmm. Okay, I agree with that. There are many factors. However, we cannot deny that they're technically, uh, I hate to say the word superior, but they're technically more advanced, technically, when it comes to wrestling. They have a more of a flow understanding. They play around and it, and it, and, and the practice gets more and more intense, more and more intense until you see them going really, really hard. They're going live, you know? They're going really, really rough. But they were playing. They have a more playful attitude. Look at the Cubans. You ever see Cubans uh, sparring? They're like 50 guys in a room. They're just touch sparring. There's no headgear. There's no mat on the floor. They're literally sparring on concrete. You think they're really trying to drop each other? They're on concrete. I mean, the Cubans are the top boxers. They consistently win gold medals. But in practice room, they're playful. Nobody gets hurt. Like you're saying, the ties. Mm -hmm. The ties are just, if, if you go in there and you, and you kick a tie really hard, he won't spar with you anymore. He'll be like, this guy's too, too amateur. Hmm. There's a time and place for intensity. I'm not anti-intensity. I think there's a time and place. Like Angelo Dundee was probably arguably the greatest boxing trainer in history. He says, look, fighting is for fight night. In practice, it's only practice. George St. Pierre has that attitude, and I think that's why he's so good and so healthy today. You know, because he never hurts his sparring partners. People line up to want to spar with him. It's a joy to spar with him. Yeah, I, I love this idea. It, it's so cool. So he's naming off, for those of you who follow MMA, you know, whether it be female or male, uh, some of the great fighters, George St. Pierre, uh, Muhammad Ali, <laughs> you know, the greatest boxer arguably in history. Um, so, so you look at it, and I've been following that training system. Although I mix in very high degree of intensity, um, probably I average about um, when I'm approaching competitions, uh, high intensity about a couple times a week, as he mentioned. Uh, but typically, I hit a higher intensity if I take on a challenge or, or just want to challenge myself, see where I'm at, uh, about once every two or three weeks. And in that workout, I'll take it pretty far. And even with the Tesla Max, I've learned to kind of recover with the proper amount of sleep, the right foods to eat, to get my blood and my circulation, my nitric oxide. You know, all these things, very, very, very important. So, you know, what, what do we do? Here, let, let's go back in here. Let's let's see what, what they're saying. This, again, this is a very key concept. Uh, I'm going to really make it clear to you here. <laughs> you may have. You got to. There's a lot of people listening to this right now. Going, Wait a minute. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> How the fuck? Make your workouts a 7 out of 10 and do them every day. You're going to get far more training hours. You're going to spike your you're going to spike your metabolism far more often. Mm -hmm. Your energy levels, your mood is going to be far more uh, uh, up. And and training is going to be more addictive. Now, what kind of training do you do at this stage? Like you're not competing, but you're constantly in there sparring with guys. Yeah, I, I like what he said. When you train every day, when you miss a day or two, it's addictive. You like miss it like, oh, wow, I, I, I need to work out. So 
uh, a lot of times I'll get my workout in towards the evening, but ideally it's good to get your workout first thing in the morning so you make sure you get it in. They take two hours because, you know, their type of sport. Uh, I train for about an hour. If I include stretching and, and some yoga moves, and it, it'll take another half hour. But on average, uh, my actual routine training, I'm, I'm doing a good solid hour at a good heart rate consistently where I build up and I can sustain my metabolism, my energy and feeling good and looking forward to the workout the next day and mixing in great music. Sometimes I, I, I have a training partner with me. Guys who are professionals and you're constantly right. training them. Like what kind of stuff do you do? Um, I do jiu-jitsu, wrestling, Muay Thai, and a small amount of conditioning after practice. I'll do, I, I'm too bored. I find jumping hurdles and, and throwing, like doing weights and stuff. Me personally, I don't find that as enjoy, I don't have to take that much enjoyment of it. I can do five to 20 minutes in a practice. Isn't that because sparring is just so fun? It's so much fun. I'm yeah. in a flow state. We're having fun. You know, right. we're wrestling. We're, yeah. I, I think conditioning, you can't get away with it. You need it. You need, and, and I, we got to talk about what George was saying on your podcast that he doesn't do strength and conditioning. There's there's a language issue there. There's a language, okay. and we, we, we got to talk about that because okay. we've done tremendous amounts of strength and conditioning, me and George, like tremendous, like barrels full. Okay, and uh, but he has a different definition. He, there's a misunderstanding. Okay, so okay. I really want to clarify that. But me personally, like, look, if we roll for an hour, for me, it passes like this. Because it's so fun. It's so fun. We're having a good time. I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated. Like, oh, you grab like, this. Like, I'm always learning new things. Right. Um, to do swing a kettlebell, to do push-ups, pull-ups, I can only do that for a fine amount of time. So I'll put a timer, three rounds, two minutes, and I'm doing it. And I bite the bullet and I do it. It keeps me healthy. But I don't go and practice to just do that. That I never do. It's always after my workout, after I do jiu-jitsu. So you never have a day where you say, today I'm going to do Olympic lifting. No, I don't think Muhammad Ali ever did that. Muhammad Ali never, he, he boxed and then he did his conditioning. Mayweather does his conditioning, then he boxes. It always came together. Why? When I go to the gym, I'm going to go to have fun. I'm going to go wrestle. I'm going to go box. I'm going to have a blast. Then I'm going to grab the kettlebell. I'm going to do a few presses. I'm going to do a few Turkish get-ups and I'm done. Mm. Because I need to have some general fitness. You have general fitness, then you have specific fitness. Specific fitness is to get better at my sport. General fitness is to keep me healthy, strong. And allow me to reach new levels of athleticism that later, in the long term, can translate to my sport later. But if you just do your sport, in my opinion, your system's going to break down. Your back's going to break down. Your knee's going to break down. Your shoulder's going to break down. You need to stimulate certain muscles that are not uh, getting stimulation in your specific sport. Hmm. You create atrophy in certain muscles because you're not using them really. Right. I need to work my stabilizers. I need to swing the kettlebell. I need to squat. I need to do certain exercises. Like what are the what are the standard cores? Kettle. Okay, so some good questions have come up um, about. Um, this is not a tens unit. I want to be very clear. This is a six thousand dollar device uh, called a Tesla Max. It's based on neuromuscular uh, deep tissue stimulation at very very high voltage and low amperage. You see a tens unit, which is DC current cannot generate much electricity because its amperage is too high and you'll you'll burn your your skin it'll burn it'll hurt this right now and and during this entire show again I, i'm going to show for those of you who can see <clears throat> whoa okay so i almost have to uh prepare myself you know with each contraction i don't know if you can see that see how it's pulling my chest together because you know that's the movement of the pecs and the electrodes are on either either side of of 
of the muscle group. See, here, here's the other muscle group. Oh, ooh, okay. So uh, <laughs> it's not that it's painful. It's just, it's, it's an, it is intense. And it's a lot of volume because I'm actually starting to work up a sweat right now. Um, I could run a little bit cooler here if I, if I take my jacket off. I guess, I guess I will. I don't need this jacket on right now. But the point is, I also have another set of electrodes down on my legs and my buttocks. So um, here, I'll show you how. I'm. Can, can you see the dial? I'm turning it up. So, wow, 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 wow. Okay, so I got to go real slow and turning it up because I'm turning up the voltage. So right now, I'm at about uh, 50, 60% of the, of the maximum. All the way over is 100%. And that would be, I get to that eventually, but I'm usually, what he's talking about is cruising at that mid-range, which is volume, intensity, but full muscular contractions. I mean, I don't know if you can see. Yeah, see? Can you see, see my chest? <laughs> There we go. Look. Okay. See, and I'm not trying to contract. I'm relaxed, and the muscles are contracting. So this 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 is consistent with what we're talking about in in what's called the Tesla Max, which is Nikola Tesla uh, discovered that alternating current was the best way to transmit electricity. And the human body, the body is electric. The body generates um, 30 million volts of electric energy per cubic uh, centimeter. In fact, it, uh, in, the, in the mitochondria, it generates even more electricity. So your brain sends an impulse to the muscle to contract, but you have to think about it. With a Tesla Max, it sends an impulse. Can you see? You, you can see how the uh, the lights are blinking. Okay, can you see the blinking? Now it's off, on contraction, off, and see it's it's kind of making my whole body to pop up. So I'm going to move the electrodes uh, shortly. To <laughs> well, for how long will I leave it on? Uh, I'll use it for 45 minutes on a, on a muscle group, and then I'll move it to another muscle group. So it's just like doing uh, uh, 200 push-ups, um, uh, you know, 500 squats, uh, you know, 100 pull-ups. I mean, it's an amazing device. It's worth it because I, I've owned it for a number of years, and it's helped me overcome injuries to get strong. So I have no excuse not, not to work out. I mean, I use it. Um, as often, you know, on the days that I don't get outdoors and, and work out. But um, let's, let, let's, let's jump ahead here a little further um, because I think uh, there's a lot to understand here. But uh, it, it's really uh, very, very important to understand. A TENS unit just kind of blocks the pain uh, to the area where it's hooked up to. It interferes with the, uh, the pain signal, whereas the, 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 the Tesla Max actually repairs the ligaments, the tissues, the muscles. It gets the lymphatic tissues going because it's so much higher electricity consistent with what the body normally generates at a very low amperage. So low amperage, high voltage. Voltage is right now at about 200 volts. I'm going to work up to, in some muscle groups, 400 volts, which is like maximum 100% of the muscle fibers are contracting. Right now, it's all or none. So I'd say about maybe 40% 
of the muscle groups, uh, muscle fibers are contracting. And as certain muscle fibers uh, fatigue, then other muscle fibers engage. So it gives you that full muscular, you know, uh, workout. It's, it's just amazing. And <laughs> I'm just sitting here during the show. So, okay, so uh, let, let, let's, let's go further here with this concept of high volume, um, lower intensity, increase the intensity as you uh, mix in close to uh, if, if you're a competitor. Here we go. I have to run to keep up with the beats. And that just, it's amazing for cardio. It's short, sweet, painless, and it's, it's very, uh, it translates very well to sports. Do you do Tabatas? Do you ever do Tabata? Tabatas intervals? are good. Yeah. yeah. I think Tabatas are good. If they're done well, they're, they're good. But again, you have to do it in a way it doesn't create soreness. Because Tabata can create soreness. You have to be very careful. Like, I wouldn't do Tabata kettlebell swing. That'll, that'll cook my, my hamstrings. I'll probably do like hurdle jump. Like you take a small hurdle and you just hurdle over it for, for 20 seconds. Now what you're saying though, like there's got to be a bunch of CrossFit people out there right now that are screaming into their phones. They're wrong. All due respect. They're wrong. I like how you say all they're due wrong. respect. With all due respect, they're wrong. Let me tell you why. Okay. And, and, and look, if you like CrossFit, do it. Whatever motivates you, do it. Okay. CrossFit's problem is it's fatigue-seeking. Yes. It says, look, go out there and burn yourself out. Yeah. That's totally wrong. They're not building any skill. Try to Show me a guy who's a champion in CrossFit, champion in Jiu-Jitsu. That guy would need two lifetimes to, re to reach mastery in both of those. Why? Because my CrossFit workout is going to tax me so much. I cannot learn armbar, sweep, triangle, choke, double leg, takedown, underhook. I'm, I've taxed my whole system. My system is in recovery. When your system is in recovery, what can you do but rest? You understand? Mm -hmm. Okay, Hafa Mendez. Do you think Hafa Mendez, one of the, arguably the greatest pound for pound, one of the greatest pound for pound jiu-jitsu guys in the world, do you think he's got a great uh, uh, CrossFit workout that he's really mastered, he's really good at? Do you think he has a great back squat? Do you think he's a great deadlifter? Doesn't look like it. No, he doesn't. Believe me. You think you think uh, uh, Gordon Ryan? He, he's a great uh, Olympic lifter. No, they they they're they're always going to be at an amateur level in that in the fitness world. Why? Because if they were experts, they would have taken so much from their jiu-jitsu. Mm. Like look at George. He does gymnastics. Okay, and I'm the one who I twisted his arm a little to put him in gymnastics. Why? Uh, because I thought it would it would give him tremendous benefit because uh, of uh, the amount of first of all they use a lot of body weight, so it doesn't cost us anything neurologically. Body weight exercises are very easy to recover from. Body weight exercises are very easy on the nervous system. They use leverage instead of weights. Plus, the stabilizer strength is unbelievable. So, and of course, I wanted coordination. I felt George was a little bit stiff, mechanical. And the yeah, so he said uh, they use stabilizer. The stabilizer strength is off the charts, meaning the assisting muscles to hold you into certain positions in gymnastics. So when you train, I train full body workouts. Uh, not only do I do curl and presses for my sport, but I do squats, I do rows, I do lifts, uh, leg lifts, core training. And then with the, the Tesla Max, um, I, I'm I move the the electrodes to different muscle groups to get the full body training effect so that I can sustain holding up the weights and curling and pressing nonstop in my sport. In his sport, he's talking about uh, George St. Pierre, um, where he has to have that overall uh, stabilizer muscle strength core. And he mentioned flexibility that George St. Pierre isn't as flexible and his balance. 
I'm not very flexible, have very good balance either. So I really have to work at it because to be world-class in, in more than one sport, uh, my particular sport, you know, as again, I, I love doing uh, w- what I do. It's, it's just, it's just a blast. I enjoy this kind of workout, but I'm going to shut this off right here. And then I'm going to move the electrodes to a different uh, muscle group because it's been going on. <laughs> Whoa, it's been going on for, you know, the length of this show. And I'm going to shut this off. And then I'm going to move it over, you know, to 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 another muscle group. But let let's continue here. What, what he's saying because this is um, tumbling makes you more uh, fluid. I, I think I, I thought I would create more efficiency this way. So we get him there, and there's there's difficulties. Okay, from A to F, we're still at A and B, and he'll always be at A and B. Maybe he'll touch C in his career, but he'll never get to F. You'd have to start really young, and you'd have to do it full time. You know, imagine somebody trying to get good. Uh, jiu-jitsu doing it part-time he'll never get good he'll, he'll be so-so he'll reach a, a, such a level crossfit is too fatigue seeking for an mma fighter now if crossfitters followed uh if they if they just followed that 70 percent rule they could and periodically went to their max periodically as opposed to every single workout go totally out i bet you their top top guys don't go all out every day i bet you if you if you watch what their top guys do they taper off the workout they make the workout between 70 and 85 percent of their true max and they work volume. And then closer to competition, they go higher in intensity. I guarantee you that's what the best crossfitters do. There's no way that the guy who goes balls out every day is going to add up as much workout and as much training time as the guy who's going 70 to 85% of his max. There's just no way. But when they do those classes, like say they do a crossfit class, and right. I'm speaking out of ignorance, honestly, because I only watch them on video. I've never done a crossfit right. class. But it seems to me they're competing against each other. Yeah, they're going all out, trying to yeah. set a PR yeah. every class. Yeah. That's ridiculous. All due respect, I mean, it's just... A PR, a, a, a personal record. They're going too strong, too hard, and they need to bring the intensity down to be world class. Even in their sport, they could be better if they cruised and then built up the intensity with more volume and, and be more consistent with their daily workouts instead of alternating workouts. Here we go. Doesn't make any sense. But why is it so popular? Because people think that's right. Because why? Because when you watch a prime time or a, or a fight, the guy's at the peak. He's he's going at the, he's at a point in his in his in his training camp, where he's at the high end of intensity. So people are always watching the last part of your camp, mm-hmm. the part where you're peaking, and then you're gonna go taper off for 10, 15 days. They don't see that part, and they don't see the months before where you ramped up to that level. They just see the last two, three weeks where it's the last few sparrings, and we're mimicking fight speed to the maximum as we can. Yeah. We're flirting with danger here. We're only doing it a little bit. But that's the part everybody's watching. So they think, oh, if you want to become really good, you have to flirt with danger every day. You have, that's what their workouts are. If you see George train throughout the year, you'd be like, hey, that wasn't so intense. That wasn't so intense. There's another really mellow practice. I remember when I was younger, I was training at the Grand Brothers gym, and I would see Otis Grant. You know, he's a world champion boxer. He's, everybody knew him in Canada. He's the man. And he was training really relaxed. I was like, dude, I'm training harder than him. But he's the, that's his millionth workout. It was my 10th, you know? Mm-hmm. He's doing in the long run. He's added way more years of training. So that's when I started to understand that the champion, the best guy, he's training for the long run. It's far more intelligent. He's getting far more workouts in than me that's burned out, and the next day I need a rest. Right, yeah. So it's, it's consistency over intensity. Intensity entails you need to take a break. There's just no way around it. So if you're a young person listening to this and you've got a coach that's trying to burn you out every day, the fuck do you do um 
I don't know. Coach, if you go to <laughs> go into the gym and go, you know what? I was listening to Frost a hobby the other day, and Frost saying you're a retard. <laughs> <laughs> here's my here's my uh, you know when I roll with guys, I think they feel when I grab them, I'm grabbing them gently, and they realize it. Mm-hmm. And I'll let them like I let guys pass my guard. Like I just go ahead, start set control, and I'll just get they'll get the message that we're just kind of playing around. Right. And then later when we're going more intense, you know, they'll feel it. They'll feel the intensity. But I don't always roll hard. Okay. So I think that was, that, that was a great um, review of training. We, we have another question that's, that's come up. And uh, I, I want to make sure we address the, these issues. But uh, the comment saying, uh, Adriana is saying, I want to gain more muscle mass. Uh, but I'm, it doesn't say, but I'm what? Uh, okay, look, you have to have your base, your daily training. And to add muscle mass, mix in what's called forced negative reps. <laughs> now, this is a very advanced technique, and I, I can show you on a video. I'll, I'll have to look it up here uh, during our discussion, but your partner kind of pushes the weight down and you fight it on the way down. And then when you lift it up, you explode up. And as you, you, you fatigue your, what's called the concentric contraction muscles, you know, the, the uh, shortening, then your partner helps you up a little bit. And then the lengthening contraction, you're 40% stronger. So you let it down slowly and fight it. And you just do like three to eight reps and you go to failure. So you go to failure on each muscle group about once maybe twice a week if you can handle it, but once a week for sure, and you're going to add muscle mass. And then the volume training, so long as you're eating a plant-based, oil-free, sugar-free, um, animal product-based free, um, and making sure you're getting yams, potatoes, beans, fruits, vegetables, a good variety, sustaining your weight, not dropping your weight, not fasting, not skipping meals and things, but eating intuitively as you're hungry, which I'm going to explain to you in a little bit. Um, there's a great um, couple of interviews here. I'm going to share with you why uh, eating uh, the way I eat is the best way for all athletes of every sport when you understand sequencing and judging uh, how much calories you need to get through each event. Leading up to the world record uh, that I did here, uh, we, we can chime back in there a moment here. I, I, I guess I should show that uh, world, world record again. Um, I, I, I was doing uh, volumes and volumes of potatoes, uh, rice, fruit, beans, peas here. So I, I'm going to show you uh in this this training here here let, let me expand this here so you can see it okay so here we go take watch this this is really cool okay so i have two 25 pound dumbbells i've already broken the world record and now i'm doing doubles and i'm clearly going beyond my human capability that's why my podcast is called beyond human and look how fast i'm lifting these weights there's a little bit of backswing but you know what kettlebell they swing a lot more so a little momentum is okay because the whole uh part of my sport is you just have to be able to lift the weight overhead and i'm um listening to intense music i've got my team uh cooling my body down the doctor's monitoring my heart rate. It's, uh, 
it's quite an invigorating experience. The camera guy's taking pictures as I've broken the record. And can you see in the corner of the of the screen right here, there's a pace girl using styrofoam weights, and she's pacing me to make sure I continue at world record pace because I'm so focused on, you know, the feel of my body. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, it's... It was very, very, very invigorating uh, to be in competition and also break the world strength endurance record. <laughs> I think there's about two minutes left on, on the lifts to total. And there's my son in the very background, Nicholas, when he was age 14, weighing 210 pounds. At uh, five foot eleven, look at how fast and fast lifts too helps increase intensity. I didn't know I'd broken the record at that point, and then they told me I did. So now I'm finishing on a trampoline to recover. I always mix in a trampoline with my workouts, particularly my hard workouts. Now I'm squatting to get the blood to work through my body. And there's the, the training girl that was, uh, she's leaving the ring. She was pacing me the whole time, looking into my eyes and keeping me focused. Yeah, I should, I, I've since been, been better about breathing more through my nose. Here, I, I pulled in so much air, I'm, I'm letting the air go through, through my mouth. And, you know, I was starting to talk and things. But what an invigorating experience. But to build up, to break that world record... It required two trainings a day uh, at about an hour each. So when I actually did the world record for a full hour, I was able to sustain uh, after training for about nine months consecutive to build up to world, world record pace. And I broke the world record by 10,000 pounds. My heart rate, as I mentioned earlier, averaged over 200 beats per minute. I'm asking about the heart rate there, just, just to get a sense to what's going on. Yes, it, it, it definitely is strength and endurance. It's a combination. Just try taking 225s and chrome press overhead, or then go heavier with 40-pound dumbbells and chrome press overhead, twice, two, two at a time or, or alternating, and you'll feel the strength and the power in that, but also having to go at a pace to be more lifts than any human had ever done. Uh, I'm being asked, um, it says, I'm doing 45 minutes of exercise every day and I eat a plant-based diet. Many people tell me that I need more protein like meat. Absolutely not. Protein meat will set you back. It's loaded with fat and calories, no fiber. Uh, you're going to absorb much more uh, nutrient density from a plant-based diet. Uh, and then the next question, Mr. E, what, what is uh, more important? for muscle growth, calories or protein? Not protein. <laughs> I err, I, during leading up to the world record, you can see how muscular I look too. Uh, I, I get about 6% of my calories from protein. I, I try and keep my protein intake to under, this may be surprising for you to hear, under 60 grams of protein per day. 
and like Lee, Lee Haney, I hit over um, uh, I hit over 500 grams of complex carbohydrates a day because you have to have the fuel, the energy. Now, if I want to burn fat, I just uh, mix in more vegetables, sequence in more vegetables and fruit, and less beans and grains. Yep. And then I did this uh, for my son Lance, who's uh, on the autistic spectrum. And there's my mom, Beatrice, who's now 86. That's my son Lance, who was vaccinated uh, in the womb and it caused brain damage. But. Lance's birthday is uh, January 26th, a few days ago. But you can see how muscular I look, and that's all 100% plant-based. Uh, when I'm training, I get stricter and stricter about oil-free and avoiding sugar and different things. But uh, you can see I'm, I'm still breathing heavy. To, to catch my win yeah so um a, a question came up uh, uh how old um was i then age 52 and and nurka uh who um is a very dear friend i dated her for a while uh she is i'm not sure her age there i don't think you asked her age just the interviewer is a total babe yep um very sharp very good in NLP, timeline therapy. And one of the great reasons I broke the world record is because um, I, I, I practice what's called neural reprogramming. And I condition my mind to feel like the weights are as light as a feather as I lift, <laughs> literally. And it, it makes all the difference in the world. But I, I, I have to say that um, I, I mentioned I eat about six to eight pounds of vegetables a, a day, uh, you know, to sustain my muscle mass and strength and energy. And also, um, I, I would juice um, and blend, that is not juice, but blend in a Vitamix blender. Um, instead of putting water, I would take the green juice, beet juice and green juice, and then I'd blend it in the Vitamix uh, from the Omega, the juicer, into the Vitamix, and I would put uh, raw sweet potatoes and raw beets and get uh, more caloric density. And so all that raw vegetables with the fiber and, and the protein um, is uh, going to absorb at a much higher level. So um, that's a tremendous amount of nitric oxide. That's correct. Absolutely. Tremendous amount. Yep. We got Nicholas up here. 50,650 pounds, an all-time world record that still hasn't been exceeded to this day. Tim Nash runs neck and neck. He's one of my training partners uh, and, and on Team USA. Weighs 215 pounds at, at five foot 10, uh, wrestling and football. Uh, now, now he's age 28 and he, he's training in jujitsu. And you can see the number for autism awareness, 50,645 pounds. Yeah. And, uh, Steve Stealth Miller, uh, a Guinness World Record holder as well, uh, NFL football player back there. 
and uh, a big uh, fitness gym there where we did it in Irvine. And my daughter was there in the audience helping out. That was an amazing show. And now I want to put it all together for you. How do you locate these incredible natural herbs, organic, the best, designed to help you to improve your hormonal balance, give you energy, help you to look and feel great? DocNutrients.com. This is our sponsor. There is a special quiz. Please take the immune system quiz, and it's going to give you some incredible feedback and ideas about how to strengthen your immune system during these troubling times. Be well. It's 2021, and we're here to support you.